This is November 10th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great week, a healthy week. It has been, wow, it's been a crazy week for me. Um, so if you're watching on YouTube, as you can see in the background, uh, this does not look like my normal place. And that is because it is not. I am currently in quarantine. For those who didn't see the tweet where I mentioned I was in quarantine, uh, I'm in a hotel for two weeks. I was exposed to some COVID-19, uh, but no big deal. I feel good. Uh, if I get COVID, you guys will know. Uh, obviously, this is a very open line of communication. Uh, I don't want to expose you guys you know, through the camera, through the, through the mic. Uh, but uh, yes, I'm in quarantine. I'm doing well, though. Uh, COVID is just hitting everywhere. COVID is just like, talk about a resurgence. Talk about a, a crazy second wave. Um, kind of like the Penguins in the, in the late 2000s and then again in the mid-2010s. They just, you know, two Stanley Cup appearances at the end of the 2000s and then, you know, took some years off. And the, then that sense, COVID took a few months off where it was still a thing, but it wasn't that big. I mean, it was talked about all the time, but there weren't that many cases, at least around here. And now it's just storm back, just storm back like the penguins in the mid two in the mid 2010s. So that, that is what I am currently dealing with. Um, so I don't have it yet. Hopefully I continue to test negative uh, and I can get out of here. I'm not allowed to leave the hotel room. I have to, uh, maybe I'll post the videos on Twitter of me getting fresh air by cracking the window and like sticking my face out, trying to breathe in like, <gasps> like beautiful fresh air. Of course I'm inside for the, nicest days of november like in history i mean 75 in november on november 9th and i'm sitting in a hotel room just dying to go outside uh but they feed us four times a day here which is good feels like i'm in prison a little bit but it's good it's not it's not that bad it's not that bad um so on today's episode it is just me and you it is just us there's no guest it is you and i me and you talking Bruins and it's no secret. There's not a lot to discuss with the Bruins. So I tweeted out, I said, Hey, do you guys have questions? Send them my way. You know, like gotta, you know, as I said, gotta keep that line of communication open. I haven't done an episode like this ever. Um, I was going to have Connor Ryan on again, as I usually do, but his laptop's busted. It, I think it like just combusted. It, it, it couldn't take all the advanced stats. It just blew up. Like, pfft. 17th time on natural statue, the thing just explodes. So uh, he is not on today. No guests. I realized that I was not going to have a guest late Sunday night, and that's a little too late to ask anybody else. So I figure, why not roll solo? I've never done a solo show before. I don't think on anything, but here we go. We'll do it. I'm, people around me in the hotel are probably thinking, this kid's nuts, just talking to himself forever. I guess so. I guess that's what I'm doing. Um, but before we get into the questions and the conversation, NFL football continues on this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be at a game this year, but you can still bet, be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how schedules change or players that play, Bet Online is going to go in the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else online. Head to Bet Online today and make, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert. So we will jump directly into uh, the questions because there aren't a lot of um, Bruin stuff to discuss. There's not a lot of news. There's, I don't think there's any news. Um, there's been nothing of late. 
and it makes sense. I mean, it is that part of the, it is that part of the off season. I mean, it's November. You'd think this would normally be a regular season, but obviously there isn't right now. Um, the good news is basketball is saying they're going to return at the end of December. Hopefully that means the NHL will return around that time. I know they'd said January 1st, but I hope this kind of gives them some motivation to be like, Hey, we can make this work. So uh, let's dive right into the questions. We'll start with some funny ones. Uh, Spoke Z on Twitter as you all know, Spoke Z. Why do you hate the Minnesota wild slash me? And why are you wrong? That's a good question. Don't jump to conclusions or anything there. Um, why do I hate the wild? I don't hate the wild. I just find them irrelevant. And I know you'll hate this. I know you'll tweet this segment. You'll tweet this portion of what I'm saying, but I just find them boring. I find them kind of boring. The wild are just a boring team and you can clip that. You can save that for when they're really good. Uh, and hopefully they get good at some point, but for now, I mean, it's just kind of a man and it stinks because you know why Spokesy? I would love for the wild to be good. Minnesota is a hockey hotbed. They are. I mean, the state is just, I mean, maybe bigger than Massachusetts probably. Um, And to have a good NHL team there. Like I remember when Parise and Suter went there, I was like, Oh my God, they're going to be really good now. And this, it's going to be good for the league. It's gonna be good for Minnesota. And they haven't been, they just haven't been. So to me, I, I look at that. I'm just like, damn, I wish that could be, I wish Minnesota could get it together because they have the makings of a good hockey market. They're very invested. You know, the college hockey circuit there is great. If you could just get the professional team to be better. Uh, and there's a, there's a diehard fan base for the wild. You know, no one's like, it's not like it's the Panthers. God, but Minnesota's a, a city or a, excuse me, a state. I would love to have a good hockey team playing. So I hope that I don't hate them anymore. I hope they get really good. But for now, eh, they're kind of boring. Uh, so we'll move on to the next question. The questions, by the way, get a little more serious and, you know, good, uh, good storylines as we go along. Uh, Petrov McGuire asks, would you rather fight 100 Brett Ritchie-sized Nick Ritchies or one Nick Ritchie-sized Brett Ritchie? Now, I'll repeat that for those who that might have broken your brain. And I will repeat that for myself because, quite frankly, I, I do need to repeat that to get that in my own brain. Would you rather fight 100 Brett Ritchie sized Nick Ritchies? So that would be uh, 100 Brett Ritchie sized Nick Ritchies. So you have you have 100 Nick Ritchies who are Brett Ritchie size, or you have one Nick Ritchie sized Brett Ritchie. I'm gonna go with the one Nick Ritchie sized Brett Ritchie because I know that if I if we had to fight. I think he'd probably kind of just like back away. Like, oh, remember, remember that all that time at the beginning of the season and a, a lot, there was a long stretch. I remember where Brett Ritchie, there were so many opportunities for him to stand up for a teammate or, or get in a fight or something. And it felt like it never really happened. I mean, I, maybe I'm misremembering stuff, but uh, Brett Ritchie's tenure, obviously as a Bruin was not great. Um, and he had a lot of issues. I remember and got hit for it by us with the media. Um, for not sticking up for guys. So I guess, I mean, I definitely am not favored in either fight, but if I had to pick one, it'd be the one Nick Ritchie size, Brett Ritchie, a hundred Brett Ritchie size, Nick Ritchie's. Now that'd be something that would be something. I mean, I guess I'd maybe be hit from behind. Um, I guess I could outrun them 
or outskate them with some speed. Hopefully I don't get tripped on the way by, but that is surely interesting, but I would go with the one Nick Ritchie sized Brett Ritchie. Um, that's what I would go with. I mean, yeah, to fight, I guess I'd go with that one Nick Ritchie sized Brett Ritchie, a hundred Brett Ritchie sized Nick Ritchie's Nick Ritchie got in a few fights or like one or two in his time. Uh, and I mean, credit to him after he boarded Yanni Gord, he did get in a fight afterwards. So at least he like dropped the gloves. He didn't pull like a 2008 Dallas stars. Like you go to fight Sean Avery and just nothing or, you know, Steve Ott and just nothing. So at least he stood up. At least he was like, you know what? I messed up. I did my thing. I'm going to stand, you know, I got to answer for it. What's funny is speaking of 2008 uh, Dallas stars and, and Bruins and all that. One of the funny things about quarantine is there's nothing to do in here. I just got my friends brought me a monitor actually for me to plug my Xbox into because the Xbox does not plug into the TV in this hotel room because it's so old. The hotel, the hotel TV is that old that the HDMI is just not there. Or it's like writing up against the wall. It's just not a good situation, but I haven't had a lot of time this weekend. So on like Saturday night, I'd be sitting here and I'm like flipping through channels and on Nesson or Nesson plus there'd be an old Bruins game. And I'd be like, hell yeah. So I, I think there was a game. There was a uh, 2008-2009 Bruins-Leafs game at, at the Garden that they played. Uh, the Bruins killed the Leafs. Vesa Toskala was in that. That was a throwback. Um, and then they had a Bruins-Sabres game from 09. So 09-10. So the Bruins that season beat the Sabres in the playoffs. Uh, Jonas Enroth was in that. <laughs> the Sabres. Credit to anyone who remembers Jonas Enroth because that is a throwback. Uh, and a half, Jonas and Roth. Oh my God. Um, and that Sabres team was good. You know, they had Ryan Miller, obviously who didn't play that game, but you had Derek Roy. Uh, you had, I think Brian Campbell was on that team. Tyler Myers was like this young up and coming, you know, big defenseman. Um, Chris Drury, I don't think was on that team, but he, he was on those late 2000 Sabres teams. So, they were good. I mean, they. It was surprising that they never really uh, had a ton of. I mean, they were they were very good, but I feel like they could have had more success um, along the way. But yes, those 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 old time Bruins games that like Defumi tweets about. I'm so for those being on because it is so much better than like trying to get myself to watch something on TLC. Uh, even though TLC's has some good stuff, you know, uh, extreme cheap stakes. I don't know if you guys have ever seen extreme cheap stakes or cheap stakes. Um, it's infuriating to watch these people just not spend money because they're afraid to, I mean, they have the money, like there's these millionaires on there and they just, you know, there was one guy, not to ramble. You can skip through this if you'd like, but there was a guy on there with his wife and he had kids and the kids would like play in the pool. And then he'd wash the dishes in the pool that they were playing in like a little kiddie pool. Like how cheap do you have to be to do that when you have all the means to just like turn the faucet on and, put some soap on the dishes and scrub them. I mean, I can't imagine you're saving that much money from that, but it's, it's that stuff. That's just like, I watch it. And I, it makes me angry. There's a visceral reaction I have to that. And here I go on extreme cheapstakes, but, and then that same family was trying to sell the house and their living room consisted of like a lawn chair and a chair you put by a pool with no TV and the dirtiest rug you've ever seen. So on the dirtiest spots of the rug, instead of just getting a whole new rug like any other human being would do, they put down like sample samples of rug, just like the little squares and put them in the rug. 
on the dirty spots. So it looked terrible. So it's just that show and anything else. You just watch these channels. It's just so much better to watch old time Bruins games. I'm so for that. So now we get into some more legitimate questions, some more uh, topical questions, I guess. Uh, and iHockey on Twitter says, my question is this. Don's clearly gone all in on his kids now, including those at defense. If and when this collapses in a first or second round defeat this year and Bergeron and co prep for retirement or a change to line three, will Don finally be fired? Who will apologize to fans in that core? Point is nine out of 10 of every other GM in the NHL would have gone all in with his cap space and situation seconds from a cup. So why doesn't Don have to wear that when it doesn't work and he's wasted the final years of a hockey hall of fame core? It's a good question. And a couple of these questions have to do with Sweeney being fired. Um, I don't think it's time to, to ring the buzzer on Sweeney yet. I don't think, and I, I think it's early um, because they have been successful. Granted, they have no cups in Sweeney's time. So you're right. They, they have not had that great playoff success. They've had three good years in the playoffs or three. Cons- I mean, the, the 16, 17 season was kind of weird because they had a lot of injuries. Cassidy took over mid season, but with everything else with 17, 18, 18, 19 and 19, 20, uh, you have two second round exits to the Lightning in five games, and you lost in Game Seven to the to the Blues. I don't think there's enough there to fire Sweeney yet. Um, as for wasting the core, I mean, I've been a huge proponent of the fact that I think he needs to he needs to he needed to do more at the deadline last year, and I still believe he needs to do something else this off season. I've said that all along. That is something I've been super consistent with. I mean, I wrote a column last winter in December saying that they should go for Taylor Hall at the deadline because it felt like this was the last, that last year was the last season where you would have everyone at their best um, firing on all cylinders. And, you know, they didn't do that. They went out and got Kasha and Richie and it was kind of just, well, you know, second round exit. Um, and granted, if they played a full season and, and finished in April and had playoffs in April and May, things could have easily been different, but that wasn't what happened. But I don't think he's. I don't think he's gone. I don't. Um, anytime soon either. I, I think that. I think they've had too much success to really point fingers at the GM. I mean, the team itself is that they're putting on the ice is good. Uh, the team's fine. I mean, the the issue is you need to get you need to make the team better. Um, but they haven't severely underachieved. So you, I don't think it's it's not time to to point fingers at Sweeney yet, or to say that he should be fired. I mean, point finger is fine. But to be, to be fired, I, I think it's a few years away if it continues in this trend. I don't think it's anytime soon. I could be wrong, but I've gotten no sense from the Bruins that they want to move on from Don Sweeney. And we'll get to his pros and cons actually later in this episode because there are some people who ask some other questions with Sweeney. So I'll hit on those um, in a bit. Rich G. Bruins fan asked, do you think Jeremy Jacobs has an internal salary cap and has told Sweeney not to spend? Is he waiting to reset for next season when Krejci and Rask come off the books? So I don't think Jeremy Jacobs has said don't spend because right now the Bruins salary cap space is 6.6 million and they still have to re-sign DeBrusque and potentially Chara. They are going, I mean, okay, let's say DeBrusque gets three or three and a half and Chara gets one. That's four to four and a half million. Okay, so you have two million with the cap. So to me, I mean, I don't know. They're spending. I think that the whole, like they had a lot of cap space thing got 
blown out of proportions. I mean, they did, but you still had to sign your own guys. And Grizzlick and DeBrusque, you had to re-sign. Um, and DeBrusque, they're still waiting on. Maybe that'll happen one of these days. I thought it would happen election night, but it didn't. Thank God. And they also had Craig Smith, which was a good addition. So to me, I look at that. I don't think that Jeremy Jacobs has said that. Um, I mean, I think <laughs> they want a winning team. They want a good team on the ice. Um, obviously, they're not getting the concessions money, which has been a huge hit. Um, but you still want a good enough team on the ice so that you know your ratings are good, that you're, you know, um, that you know people purchasing apparel, that that there's you know pe- more people buying jerseys and t-shirts. Uh, you want you want all that stuff. You want to, I mean, it's always just a good thing to have a good product on the ice. And I, I don't think Jacobs has said anything about it, but um, I, I just, I don't think he has. I, I really don't. Um, 6.6 million they have in cap space could be towards DeBrusque and Chara could be towards just DeBrusque could be towards DeBrusque and someone else could be, maybe they make a trade and free up some money somewhere. I mean, I, I just, I think that um, I don't think Jacobs has said anything of that sort uh, with the, with the salary cap. So let's move on to the next question. Uh, Juso Kakainen, Kakainen. I'm sorry if I butchered that name. Juso uh, Kakainen. What is the Bruins' funniest moment of the 2019-20 season? That's a great question. I think there's a lot, as there is every season. Uh, some moments that stick out to me, and I mentioned this. Connor and I mentioned this on the last episode. Uh, was the lights going out? That was hysterical. I don't think that was very funny in the moment, but I just think the whole like show of it was hysterical i think brett ritchie's comment about the math comment you know we have uh these 82 games you know we could go 80 and three i thought that was hysterical um i mean it was a funny it was a funny group i think the moms uh the mom's trip was hilarious when uh jake's jake debrusque's mom did a press conference next to jake for an entire or did a whole scrum next to jake uh which had <clears throat> excuse me God, I need water. Um, where she did a whole scrum next to Jake was hilarious. So that was really funny to me. I mean, that was just like, you know, you know, your mom is standing there next to you, answering questions, just you know, going off about everything. Hey, be nice to my son. Um, it was great. And I think that that was, uh, that was a really fun, funny night. That was a good night for the Bruins. I mean, they won. They were, sl- they were kind of slumping. Uh, so that was a huge one. Those are the funny moments that stick out to me. If you guys have any more funny moments, tweet them. Tweet them at me, DM them to me. Um, just, I want to see them on my screen because trust me, I need to laugh right now. <laughs> I'm in quarantine. I'm bored as hell. If you have funny moments from this past year that I'm missing, by all means, please send them to me. Facebook them, Twitter them, whatever it is. Please do it. Uh, Bruins fans wear masks. Good idea. Good point. I hope you guys are wearing your masks. Um, tweeted at me, why aren't the Bruins signing any more players? As I said, the cap space doesn't really allow for it that they have right now. So you have 6.6 million. Get us resigned to Brusque, probably Chara. So that comes out to, as I said before, between four, four and a half, hopefully not, but could be anywhere to 5 million. So let's see, let's say it goes to four and a half. You have roughly two point. 2.1 million left. I mean, I think the idea to get Kovalchuk is not a bad one. 
I think Kovalchuk would be a good signing because it's going to be cheap and it could be, I mean, you get him for veteran minimum and he has the potential to be on your top, in your top six. It'd be a legit score. So to me, that's the easy one. I know that Connor Ryan has mentioned a few times waiting out, you know, other teams and getting Mike Hoffman very cheap right before the start of the season. That could also work. It just depends on the money. Um, but to me, I mean, I, I, why aren't the Bruins signing anyone? I think they, you know, as, as someone, allu- I think as iHockey alluded to earlier, I think they're content with the core, the group that they have. And I think that they like the kids they have when it comes to, you know, offense, they surely have enough people that can compete for top six jobs and for, you know, that third line, those third line wing spots. And I think on defense, um, they're content with who they got. I, I don't see any push. You don't hear them any rumors anymore. I mean, I think they're fine with Grizzlick McAvoy, maybe, you know, Lausanne and Carlo, and then, you know, Morin Clifton or Vakaninen and Clifton, or you can put Zaboro with Carlo. And I mean, there's, there's lots of things you could do. I think that's going to be one of the top storylines at the beginning of the year is how they mix and match their top six D. I mean, how do you, how do you, you know, pair up? I think Grizzlick and McAvoy is a pretty common sense first pair, but what about, who, play, who plays with Carlo, you know, who plays on that third pairing. So, you know, you also have Steven Camper as well. You have Vakanayan, you have Zaboro, you have John Moore, you have Kevin Miller. So you have a lot of guys who could potentially vie for those top six spots. And the thing is, as we all know, cliche alert, you can never have too many defensemen because they get hurt. And Kevin Miller can, surely can get hurt, uh, has a history of that. Clifton missed some time last year. Um, so absolutely, I think that, um, having all those D is not a bad idea, but it, I think it would make a lot of people feel better if they went out um, and either s- and traded for a defenseman because there just wasn't a lot to sign, I don't think. Or there wasn't. There just wasn't a lot of good defensemen to sign. Um, moving on. Well, there was Tori Krug. That didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> and there was Petrangelo. They didn't have the money for that. So moving right along. Camp Corona. On Twitter, Camp Corona, what a name. I don't know if I'd want to be at Camp Corona right now. Well, I kind of am at Camp Corona, to be quite honest. <laughs> in a hotel full of people who've been exposed. Hopefully, I'm not moving over to the crew full of people who are positive. Um, but Camp Corona on Twitter, how much of the blame for the 2019 finals loss do you put on the coach? They lost three games on home ice. They did lose three games on home ice. I think there is some blame on Cassidy. I don't think Cassidy was blameless in that whole debacle. Um, I mean, again, you just got to win one of those games on home ice and you have the cup. Um, but I do think, I think a lot of it falls on the players. I mean, I know this sounds really stupid and like, duh, but I mean, you, you got to figure it out. Uh, they also had some tough refereeing against them. I mean, you look at what happened in game five with the being tripped. Uh, I mean, that pretty much did cost them that game. Uh, game seven, they did not come to play. That, to me, is on the players. I think you can put some blame on Cassidy for that, but that's on the players. Um, and then game two, uh, game two, they lost in overtime. So they had a 2 nothing lead. They blew it, I believe. I believe they had a 2 nothing lead and lost it. So that's another example of you got to hold the lead. So, yes, I think someone can go on Cassidy, but I don't think that's something that's going to, like, bog down his, his coaching resume. I think that's fairly good at this point. Um, I don't see him gone anytime soon, especially considering he just won the Jack Adams and uh, they gave him an extension at the start of last season. So let's move along to uh, someone on Twitter named shitposting 
or no, Lil Autotune, Lost in Space, Chasing the Moon. What a name. Lil Autotune, Lost in Space, Chasing the Moon. That's a great Twitter name. Um, Lil Autotune, Lost in Space, Chasing the Moon. That is something. Uh, it was something originally when I cl- clicked on it, and then it was something different, so they must have just changed their name. Odds we trade for Kale McCarr. I wish they were 100. I mean, not odds. I guess I wish it was 100% they were going to trade for Kale McCarr. That would be huge. But I don't think they are. I don't think, I don't think the Avs would give up Kale McCarr for anything. And I don't think they should. You think about it. I mean, there's only a few players in the NHL who you legitimately would not give up. And I think he's in like the group that... He's probably in a group with like Connor McDavid. You wouldn't give up McDavid. You probably wouldn't give up Dreisaitl. You wouldn't give up Kale McCarr. Um... I think Eichel you give up if you're the Sabres, just considering the position they're in as a team. I mean, get draft. I've always said that, you know, if you want to get a bunch of draft picks and some prospects, it's how you build, basically build a, a core, give up a guy like Eichel. So McDavid, probably Dreisaitl, maybe Quinn Hughes as well. But I think, I, I, I think Kale's better. No bias. <laughs> so I do think, I'm trying to, I mean, Kucherov, I think the Lightning are really good. So I, I think if you lost Kucherov, you'd obviously lose a huge piece. But if, I mean, what you could get for him is huge. So, I mean, Kale's in like a group of maybe four or five who you literally would not give up. I mean, Sidney Crosby, I don't think you'd give up. I don't think the Penguins ever would. But, I mean, he's probably in a group of five or six guys who you legitimately would never trade. Um, but someone replied, Boston Evan 11 said zero, but they should give him a huge RFA deal next summer. That'd be hilarious if they offer she did kill McCarr. Uh, but yes, and I think Kale McCarr is going to get a huge payday whenever that comes. That is going to be a large contract. Um, so moving on to Will Ferrero. Uh, and this is the last question, by the way. Do you think the Bruins should look for another GM? No, I don't. I think Sweeney's fine. And by fine, I mean he's just fine. Not like perfect. He's just fine. He's okay. Um, so I, I made a pros and cons list of Don Sweeney because we'll go through it. Uh, to end the show. I feel like it's the right thing to do when we're evaluating Sweeney. You guys kind of make your own decision on this. We'll start with the pros because I, I think it, it's easier if we just go pros than cons. Uh, pros, signing own guys. I mean, the Athletic just did a list of like the most cost-effective contracts in the league, and I think Pasternak and Marshawn were like top two. Um, you know, signing his own guys has been tremendous at. Uh, you know, you can go down the list. McAvoy, Bergeron, um, or excuse me, not Bergeron. No, not Bergeron. Uh, Marshawn, Pasternak. Very good at signing his own guys. Halak. Um, doesn't pay a lot. Doesn't pay a ton. Gets them to agree to less uh, to, to try to win more. So for me, I mean, absolutely. I think that he has been, um, he's been very good at re-signing his own guys. And we've talked about this a thousand times. Like we, we have consistently discussed this. Yeah, Bergeron's contract was not, um, was not under Sweeney. But uh, to me, I mean, just re-signing his own guys has been tremendous at. And I think that has been a big reason why they've sort of kind of kept this core going and had this resurgence in the mid-2010s where they just, you know, Claude got fired, Cassidy came in. And the fact that, I think the fact that Sweeney didn't blow it all up when he came in is a huge deal. <laughs> 
or not when he came in, but those years, I mean, they were kind of mediocre. They were missing the playoffs by a point or two. The fact that he didn't just say, screw it, we're going to rebuild the whole thing is pretty telling and pretty impressive that he didn't pull the plug on Bergeron and Krejci and Marshawn. So credit to him for that. I'll, I, I put that under pros. Uh, signing fourth liners and depth pieces. I mean, you know, he went out and got Halak. Um, you know, uh, you know, Joakim Nordstrom was a solid pickup. I think Greg McKegg might be a solid pickup. Um, there's been a lot of fourth line guys that he's gone out and got uh, that have that have paid dividends and depth pieces. You know, you look at we get to some of these trade deadline moves. You know, you look at a guy like you know Johansson. That's a third liner right there. Uh, Coil third liner. Those are great depth pieces. Um, so to me, I mean, I look at that, and, and he also lets these fourth liners go at the right times. I mean, he he let Nolachari go out and get his money. He let uh, he let Tim Schaller go out and get his money. You don't want to pay the, those guys that much money. So he gets the most out of him. He lets him go. I mean, credit to him. So that's a pro. So those two pros. The cons to me, the trades have been iffy. So you have some good trades. I mean, we can look at each trade deadline. So 2016 through 2020. Uh, they were, in every trade deadline, I think they were contenders. I mean, they they were not sellers of any of these deadlines. 2015-16, um, team was vying for a playoff spot. They went out and got John Michael Lyles and Lee Stempniak. Ooh. Ooh. Ew. I mean, you just like, oh, And Lee Stempniak wasn't even that bad that year. Uh, but clearly not enough. Uh, 2016-17, they went out and got Drew Stafford, which, again, I mean not an impact signing. So, you know, argue didn't do enough those two years comes out in 2018, goes out and get, gets Rick Nash for basically a first round pick, Ryan Lindgren, Ryan Spooner, and some, you know, other people, a seventh round pick in there. Uh, but gave up your first round pick for Rick Nash, who played a few months and then was done due to concussion. So, I mean, that was, you know, credit to making a big splash, but not really, didn't help in the long term or I mean it helped a little in the short term but he still wasn't that amazing and he and he was gone they acquired also Tommy Wingles and Nick Holden that year which were solid enough depth pieces remember when Nazem Kadri like, bashed Wingles head into the glass I mean Jesus uh, but so to me I look at that 2018 trade deadline and that has a lot of impact because I think it came because he realized he hadn't done enough the first two years of his the first two trade deadlines he had. And then if you look at the trade deadlines after, you realize, I think he kind of said to himself, maybe I did too much. So 2019 was his best trade deadline. Charlie Coyle, Marcus Johansson, two good impact depth trades that you didn't give up a lot for. You gave up Brian Donato for Charlie Coyle, which we all knew. I mean, I, I knew at the time. I said, this is a great deal. I don't see Donato becoming, you know, this elite NHL talent that the people are talking about. And he hasn't. And then Marcus Johansson was a great depth piece. You didn't give up a ton to get him. So to me, I mean, those are two really good trades. I mean, those are maybe the best trades he's made. Um, and then he follows it up in 2020 with a tough trade deadline with Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha. Not great. I mean, Kasha, fine. You got the backest contract off your hands, but you gave up a first-round pick in the process. And then Nick Ritchie, you gave up Dan Heinen. That's not too great. So... To me, I look at that and I just say, you, you, you didn't do enough. You didn't do enough and you gave up way too much, um, especially in the Nick Ritchie deal. And giving up that first, I imagine the Bruins would like to have that one back. So the trade deadlines, I would say the majority has been not great. 
Um, and then the draft. The draft has not been great. I mean, if you look at the Bruins draft history, I mean, there's obviously, I mean, I don't even need to say it. Uh, the 2015 draft, you know, you started off with uh, Borrell, DeBrusque, and Zach Senishin. And, you know, we all kind of sit here and go, oh, stick our noses up at it. But, I mean, the draft itself, you get DeBrusque out of it, who's been impactful, Carlo impactful, and Jeremy Lazan. You also got Daniel Vladar, who could pay some dividends down the road. JFK was a bust. Uh, you know, Jack Becker, not much. Cameron Hughes might do something at some point. Um, so, you know, maybe Jacob Zabor will see some serious time this year. I'm doing a piece on that actually right now you can look forward to. So, I mean, the 2015 draft, you had three straight first round picks and, and you, and you missed on some really good talent. So, you know, there were some good other picks in that draft, but <clears throat> nothing incredible. I mean, you, you could have done a lot better. Uh, and then the 2016 draft, Charlie McAvoy with the 14th overall pick. Very good. Trent Frederick at 29. That See, that's the pick to me that I look at, and I just say, you know, they projected him as like a third or fourth line centerman. I don't know why you used your first-round pick on that, uh, on him there. So to me, I, I, I just, that's sort of a, a common theme with this Bruins team. With these late first-round picks, they draft, you know, they, they draft these these guys who are projected to be like, you know, low, you know, top nine centermen. I mean, I, I don't, that's the stuff that you just like, wait, what? Um, and then 2017, uh, you, you know, Earl Vakanine and Jackson, Nika, Jeremy Swayman, that could end up being a solid draft. I mean, I think Swayman, a lot of people project to be really good. Stanika, everyone projects to be the next pressure on even Cassidy. Vakanine in, the jury's out. I think this will be the year that you really start to see it. And then 2018, 19, and 20 are kind of too early to call. I mean, John Beecher, everyone expects a lot out of. Axel Anderson's on the Ducks. Lauko, people have some expectations for. This past draft was pretty irrelevant. 2020 draft, I mean, they had a second, a third, a fifth, and a six-round pick, and they picked guys who were way off the board. So uh, the draft, I mean, he's had his good picks, but he's also had some really bad misses. So, I mean, you can make your own judgment on the Sweeney stuff. I know there's a lot of anti-Sweeney sentiment out there, uh, but bottom line is, I don't think I don't think he's gone anytime soon. I think he deserves to stay. I think he's done enough to warrant two more years, uh, two more definite years. After that, you, know, you have to keep doing things that are good. You have to keep working hard and and making good moves. But I don't think it's time to pull the plug on Sweeney yet because who? Those have to like who's going to replace Sweeney? You know, obviously there are other GMs out there that are that are good, but I do think Sweeney's the right guy for right now, um, especially in this pandemic. I, I don't know, and I, I, don't, I don't think firing Sweeney's on their radar at all. They've been too good. So I don't even think this is a question that's probably crossed their mind at all. But at any rate, this has been Bruins Beat. This has been a solo Bruins Beat show. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, let me know if you want more of these, more just like little que- answering some questions, Q&A, a little Q&A action. Uh, never hurt anybody, but uh, I won't keep rambling on here because I need water. And uh, doing a solo show like this is not as easy as I maybe thought it was. But at any rate, this has been the Bruins Beat. I'm Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys stay safe and have a great rest 
of your week. 